celebrating a Stanley Cup championship. Welcome to InGoal Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard, along with the co-founder of InGoal Magazine, David Hutchison. Kevin Woodley is on assignment after working his tail off at the Pete Fry Mind Guy seminar over the course of uh, the weekend. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today, including the feature interview with Jake Ottinger of the Dallas Stars. You want to know what it was like to be in the zone? He describes it perfectly, along with uh, a few other things. And uh, we also have the Coupe de la Montréal uh, Championship and the Hockey Hall of Fame to uh, talk about. Uh, as we uh, say hello to David, uh, you are carrying the ball today with a feature interview brought to you by Sense Arena and also uh, had the latest on the, the hockey shop, Source for Sports Surrey, and some big news over there. There is big news over at the Hockey Shop. The Hockey Shop, of course, brings us all our shows, and they've just been fantastic with us over the years. Ever since we started uh, In Goal Magazine about a dozen years ago, we've had a great relationship with the Hockey Shop, and they announced this week something we've known for a little while, that there's a new store coming. So if you're one of those folks who likes to come to the Lower Mainland for a hockey tournament and maybe convince mom or dad to stop by the Hockey Shop, this fall, it's going to be a whole new exciting experience because they are moving into a purpose-built facility that is over 34,000 square feet of hockey. What is, what do you call it? Goalie Utopia? Yeah. He's going to need a whole new superlative for the hockey shop when you check out this new store that's going to be available uh, for everybody to check out coming this fall. And that's really just a sneak peek about what's coming. I can only imagine what Cam's goalie room is going to look like now when he gets a little bit more elbow room, when there's more area for Woody to come in and make a mess. Uh, it's in a great area of town, going to be just down the street from when, from where my son is playing hockey this year, we hope. And that means I'll be in there trying in all the gloves and leaving them all over the floor for Cam to pick up as well. Now, if you didn't know that the hockey shop had a new store coming, then you aren't on their mailing list. I would like to encourage everybody to go to thehockeyshop.com You'll get a little pop-up there. You can put in your email address. Not only will you get the latest news from them, but every month they give away a $25 gift card just for signing up for the newsletter. And if you had a $25 gift card, Darren, I bet you could buy a new dangler for that. I bet Woody yes. could buy some new deodorizer for his stinky gloves. I'd probably buy a whole bunch more sock tape for my kid because that's literally what I was doing in there last week. I brought two giant packs of sock tape for him to get him through the summer. Go sign up for the Hockey Shop newsletter and you will hear all the great things that are happening. And we are sure to bring you a guided tour of the new store as soon as we can. What does Maddie use sock tape for? Uh, knee pads. So, oh, okay. he puts, so he puts socks over top of his knee pads and then he does one yeah. wrap just below the knee and that stops them from sliding down ever oh, okay uh, and i, I do the same because thing because yeah. some some guys use sock tape as goaltenders around their ankles or uh or the knee pads and different things and other guys haven't touched a roll of sock tape for years that's true or you could maybe go check out one of the old uh, videos we have over on our youtube channel and isn't it uh marty baron going through about two marty rolls baron. of sock tape per leg or something it was just absurd but a whole lot of fun um, that uh, tape ball by the end was the size of Venus. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can speak firsthand uh, of, of that. Uh, so what would you do with the new goalie uh, utopia, goalie uh, heaven, uh, goalie uh, 
seventh heaven. Uh, what would you do with that uh, for, for Cam and the company if you could put something in there yourself? Can I vote for a 200-foot-long shooting room so that we can practice goalie goals? Yes. Yeah, because yes. the shooting room now, it's be great awesome. for players trying to, to go far it. down. Yeah, exactly. It, it, that's a shooter's room for players mostly. We're not really learning how to go bar down. So yeah, I'm, I'm going for the 200 foot shooting room. Um, and other than that, really, honestly, it's just a fantastic place uh, as it is. So just more, more elbow room. So there's more toys to play with. Yeah. How about uh, you? Maybe a place that you can, you know, I, I want a place where I can go uh, like top of the crease and do a, a, a butter stack over to the post. That's what I want to be able to do. And there full on. In, so just, we just like some real ice in there. Celebrate. Yeah. And, and maybe an in-goal radio podcast studio. Sound studio That's, in there for yeah, us. I yeah. like it. And if just, we could have the lights little... permanently installed so I don't have to go in and set up every time Woody and Cam want to do their thing, that'd be great as well. <laughs> uh, an awesome gear segment uh, coming up today. Uh, we're looking at uh, masks or helmets, uh, whatever you prefer to call it. Uh, but uh, we've got the new Bauer Enemy 1 uh, mask uh, and a full review of that. Uh, the uh, Instagram and the YouTube video uh, will be out uh, as you can watch uh, Woody wear the, the mask. So that's coming up in just a little bit. But first acknowledgement, Darcy Kemper manages to outlast Andre Vasilevsky in a great contrast of goalies. One team is asking the goalie, just don't lose it uh, and make the saves that you're supposed to make. And the other team was asking the goaltender, to win it and really leaning on him. It was a, it was a great illustration of different styles. It was, and it led to really one of the best finals we've seen in a long time and kind of sad that we didn't get that seventh game yes. uh, that I think it, all of us deserve. So yeah, wonderful performance again by Andre Vasilevsky. Um, Kevin, who isn't here to share all of his uh, fancy stats with us, did share on Twitter that um, after the end of game four, so looking at overtime and through to the end, Colorado limited Tampa Bay to only six high percentage chances. That's in nine periods, six high danger chances. Uh, what an incredible defensive performance. I don't think we can underestimate how difficult that can be for a goaltender, though, because now Darcy Kepper is being put on the spot to make one incredible save just when it's needed. And he did do that, didn't he, towards the end of game six with that. Why did he ever? Yeah, you know, so uh, that's many goaltenders have told us over the years how challenging that can be and how much easier sometimes it can be when you get a whole bunch more sort of low danger opportunities to get yourself rolling. And uh, Darcy didn't have that. So that's a great skill for him too. And uh, and not to be un- overlooked. He's going to have his name on the Stanley Cup alongside the first ever Finnish goaltending coach, the first ever European goaltender coach. So congratulations to UC Parkilla for uh, his role with the Colorado Avalanche over the last five years. And I wonder if that opens up a, a door to a more European influence on, on the teaching side of the National Hockey League or professional hockey. I, I hope it does. I think it will. We've heard a few rumblings, nothing we can really talk about right now, but a few rumblings of some names that are getting some interviews. So that's at least uh, a good start. I think it's so important uh, to open up the game to new ideas. And we can be very, very much too insular within the goaltending community. So if we can open it up to a wider area and more voices, um, it seems probably like a no-brainer that people would be sharing information and that we'd all be open to everything. But the reality is in the busy hockey life, there isn't a lot of time to collaborate and learn from each other. There's 
sort of a few select opportunities. And so I think bringing in voices from other countries, from other leagues, uh, is only going to be good for everybody in the game. A couple of observations uh, about the Stanley Cup uh, final. Darcy Kemper always goes for a skate after every stoppage. I thought that was a, a pretty cool thing uh, to watch, just the way he seems to shut it down, like almost Marty Brodeur. When, remember what he talked about? Like when the whistle went, he would uh, escape from the game, and then the whistle went, comes back. Uh, but he would look like Kemper just flushes out the intensity by going for that little skate. And Andre Vasilevsky, every time he catches the puck or hands it off to a linesman, there's a little pat uh, on the linesman uh, on the front of the pads, which was just a, a cool little thing. And it wasn't just uh, when he made a big save. It was just a, a regular thing that he always did with the, with the officials. I didn't know that. That's a great pickup. I think it's super important that goaltenders have a great relationship with the officials. And uh, yeah, you never know when you might need that little whistle or that, that call to go your way. And I find it fun just watching hockey at all levels and, I don't know about you, but I seem to notice the referees far more interested in having a little chat with the goaltenders than anybody else out on the ice for the most part. And uh, yeah, that's really neat. I'm going to have to go back and check that out. Uh, We also are following the Hockey Hall of Fame announcement and the introduction uh, of Roberto Luongo as an inductee for next fall. Uh, The longtime uh, National Hockey League goaltender, two-time Memorial Cup goaltender. We'll get to that uh, in the Memorial Cup championship as well. But uh, played for uh, a few different teams, and including one team twice. Uh, what, what do you think the uh, calling card of Roberto Luongo's career is? Uh, consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ability to deliver what was needed to deliver wins for his team throughout his career. Just getting the job done any way he could get the job done. It's, uh, it was a fascinating career. I think as we look back, people are going to be talking about how he endeared himself to the fan base through his social media accounts. But of course, that's not how things started, certainly not in Vancouver. Uh, He had that sort of cold persona that people thought was there and uh, that ability of him to open up, uh, I think was a bit trailblazing for athletes. And I hope more are able to find a way to do that. That, uh, I think everybody felt towards the end of his time in Vancouver and and beyond that, that uh, they had a connection with Lou. Um, I wish Woody was here to share his thoughts on it. Um, this is the perfect week for him because uh, they, uh, they're, they're pretty close, the two of them. And uh, I know he's been an important person in Woody's life uh, through his whole time in Vancouver. Of course, uh, let's not forget the very first ever In Goal Radio podcast. Our featured guest was Roberto Luongo driving around the streets of Vancouver in Woody's car. Um, getting strange looks as they pulled up to stoplights and people looked over and first they realized who was in the car beside them. And then they wondered why the heck is this guy holding a microphone? Um, <laughs> so, uh, so Woody's podcast, mobile podcast recording studio was born in the very first episode. And, and thanks to uh, Roberto Luongo. Yeah. What a, what a fabulous career fourth over to- overall in wins in the national hockey league. There's the gold medals for Canada, the Olympics, the gold medals at the world championships. Just a, just a fabulous career and glad that we could be a little bit of a part of it on the side here. Yeah, didn't win the Stanley Cup. Uh, we are all aware of that, uh, getting to a Game 7 with the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, two things do uh, separate themselves when I look back in his career. Oh, one was the Olympics and taking over from Martin Brodeur uh, mm-hmm. in a tough situation. And the other one was a World Cup when he was thrust into uh, the, the situation late in the tournament and managed to hold on and preserve uh, Canada's chances and win that, uh, that title. So 
uh, again from uh, Martin Brodeur. But boy, oh boy, was uh, was he a stoic in the face of pressure, wasn't he? Oh, absolutely was. I just, just an incredible career, and uh, yeah, the the Olympic one really stands out for me because the pressure that was on him, the home Olympics in Vancouver. Uh, I think it's fair to say there were people probably doubting him in that situation, uh, replacing Martin Brodeur. Um, for me, that was a signature moment in his career and uh, just great to be able to see it. Um, I had a funny little one. I probably brought it up on here before, Darren, but I'm not sure. Um, in the very first year or two of InGoal, when we started doing some gear testing, CCM wanted to get us the new Reebok P4 so that we could try it out. And there was a bit of a deadline involved because of when they needed uh, the review to be out to align with some releases. I'm not sure. But it came in literally on uh, Boxing Day. Sorry, excuse me. Christmas Eve it came in. Arrived. And I got the notice that it was at the, the FedEx facility here in Nanaimo, but wasn't going to be delivered to the house. So I stopped by and I said, hey, got this shipment. Really need it. Do you think you guys can find it? Somebody went in the back room came out about 30 seconds later. Yeah, it's not here. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sure it's here. And, and I never try and pull one of these funny things before. I certainly, I'm, I'm in no position to say, do you know who I am? But I was able to say, do you know whose gear that is? Because what they had sent us a, a set of Roberto Luongo's gear because it was all they had on hand. And when I said to the FedEx guy, Roberto Luongo's gear is in your back room. Oh, hang on, I'll look again. And it yeah. took about two minutes. And out came the gear. And then everybody working there wanted their photo taken with the gear. It was, uh, it was a pretty funny, funny situation. Tells you a lot about uh, the impact of Roberto Luongo around here on, uh, in Vancouver, the lower mainland, Vancouver Island. I, I like this mask game as well. The artwork. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Um, and one of the ones that really stood out for me, I don't know about you, but was, was the one that Francois Allaire's son actually painted for him. And I, I don't even know if it made it into a game. It didn't last for very long, but it was it sort of wooden styled. So it looked like it was actually a, a wooden mask itself. Um, I thought it was spectacular. And of course, the Johnny Canuck ones um, that he wore both yeah. in Vancouver and at the Olympics as well. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Did you have a favorite? Uh, the, the Johnny Canuck Olympic one, uh, quite yeah. frankly, uh, it is it just uh, engraved in, in my head like that wood mask uh, but yeah. I will say that we've talked to a few different goaltenders over the years who have their uh, family rooms or, or man caves with all the masks from, that they've worn over yep. the course of their National Hockey League time. Lou's going to need something close to the new hockey shop uh, Source for Sports uh, setup uh, because he's got, he wore a lot of buckets over the years. He sure did. Hey, and let's not forget the Pink Panther, too, in, uh, yes. in Florida. So another one that I loved. Yeah, he's going to need a whole Roberto Luongo museum for his masks. He was a great team, uh, a great bad team goalie as well. Some guys can play for great teams. They can, uh, uh, other guys are, are good on suspect teams, but can't make the saves when, when, it, when it counts. This is a guy that won Olympic gold medals playing for uh, Canada, but then it was also unbelievable. Uh, with the with the New York Islanders and and some of those Florida teams that gave up a lot of shots, he could play both sides of it. He sure could, right? We were just talking about the how difficult it can be when you don't face a lot of chances, and here's a guy who can handle just about anything that's thrown at him. Um, fourth overall in wins for a career, 
there weren't a lot of great teams that he played on there. I mean, there was definitely right. some good runs in Vancouver, um, runs that would not have happened without him. This was not sitting back in easy chances in Vancouver. But, uh, but overall, for the number of wins that he's got in that career, um, I, I think pretty spectacular considering the teams he played on. Also uh, gets us into the idea of uh, voting more goaltenders to the Hockey Hall of Fame. So Lou is in there. That's a great step. I think there could be one every year. And that's uh, on the men's or the women's side. A hundred percent. Who do you have on the men's side that you might put in there, Darren? I think Andy Moog and Chris Osgood are two fringe guys who deserve mm-hmm. to be in there and have always believed uh, uh, that they had uh, quality numbers uh, when you go through it. So those, those are two that jump out at me from the past. Yeah. Curtis Joseph for me as well. Sixth, sixth all time. Uh, everybody else ahead of him is, is in the hall. But yeah, it stands out for me, Darren, that, that there's only one female goaltender in the Hockey Hall of Fame right now. Uh, Kim St. Pierre, of course, broke the barrier a couple of years ago. And, uh, and there should be more there's, there was an opportunity to get somebody else in this year. And, uh, and we haven't had one like Shannon Sabados, of course, stands out. Her last game was in 2018. I don't know that an official retirement was announced. So I couldn't even tell you if she's eligible. Um, I'm certainly not a student of the, of the game that I could be able to tell you who it should be, but you know, people stand out for me, like, uh, Kim Martin from Sweden, Florence Schelling, of course, from Switzerland. I think maybe to some extent, I wonder if they have a disadvantage because Canada and the U.S. are just so dominant in the international game that they don't have those great numbers that you might see for a male goaltender who's had a dominant career in the National Hockey League. But for example, Kim Martin taking Team Sweden to an Olympic gold medal game um, can't be overlooked in in a huge semifinal win. I think it was over the United States. Florence Schelling had a very long career. Uh, one of the first people I ever interviewed as part of InGoal before we had a podcast was Jesse Vetter from the United States, who had an absolutely dominant college career and a, and a fantastic international career as well, but just unfortunately came up against Canada a couple of times in the Olympic final. Um, I, I, I just think it's time that there be more women in the hall, and, and most particularly because this is the, you know, the podium that we stand on. More goaltenders, please. Uh, and one thing that uh, that works against them is just uh, awareness. It's uh, a big tournament every four years. You've got world championships, but uh, doesn't uh, quite get the exposure of the Olympics. So there's a trickle down there, even though uh, you and I uh, in this reign uh, certainly value them uh, on, on the same level. Uh, that's part that uh, that hopefully gets bigger and better. And if they can ever solve the two leagues into one league, uh, should make it uh, a little bit more uh, front and center in in our focus. Yeah, for sure. I think that that coverage for everybody is something that we need more of. We love watching the game, so the more than they they can uh, get for us at all levels, uh, I think it's going to be better for for everybody. Let's get uh, more goaltenders in. Uh, more goaltenders, uh, men, women. It uh, doesn't matter uh, as long as we get uh, more representation in there. The Hockey Hall of Fame is a better place. Uh, we've got more to talk about uh, on the uh, ancillary side of uh, what's going on in and around the, the world of uh, goaltending and hockey. But let's uh, take a break and slide over to the gear segment uh, dealing with uh, buckets. And I don't know whether you're uh, of the mask side or the helmet side. I think I remember you're a helmet guy, if, uh, if memory serves me correctly. I think you two have chirped me for saying helmet too many times. I think the truth is I don't actually really care. <laughs> um, I grew up with 
a huge love for goalie masks, so I probably should be calling it that. And I don't even know where any of this started, Darren. <laughs> what, you, what are you? Well, I'm masked, but uh, yeah. the reason I, I bring it up is because I was wondering, I was doing some some uh, research preparing for the podcast, and I wrote down mask, and then I thought, oh, do we call it helmet? Like what, what? Inside the industry, I don't even know what it's called anymore. I, I watch broadcasts, they say helmet. Uh, they'll, they'll call it mask. Uh, I, I really don't know what the accepted primary uh, title is. I'm not sure that I do either. I was hmm. just texting with somebody from one of the big companies this morning too, and I probably should ask. I think what we talk about um, just sort of back and forth commonly is not necessarily what an accepted standard would be. I expect that the standards people would like us to call it a helmet because it yes. has to you know, pass all the same sort of tests right. that a player's helmet does. So um, there might be that side. The lawyers probably would like it to be called a helmet. I'm not really sure, Darren, but I think mask is cooler. Well, you're going to hear a muffled Kevin Woodley in this week's gear segment brought to you by the Hockey Shop, source for Sports Surrey. He's back wearing a mask like during the pandemic times, but this one is not the cloth variety. Here is Woody and Cam with the Bauer Enemy One mask. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia with Cam Matwiv. I'll give you two guesses what we're talking about today. Uh, skates. That's one. Um, the fact that you're wearing the same tzatziki, same sweater that you were wearing last week. Not really where I was going with this. Pretty sure we're going to talk about helmets. I got nothing left to say. It's all up to you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about the brand new Enemy One helmet from Bauer. Bit of a redesign. Some older technology refeatured back into the helmet from before, um, which we'll touch on here in a little bit. What's old is new. I, exactly, which was also found out to be just as good, if not better, than what they had before anyway. So diving into the helmet a little bit more, uh, we actually see their saw technology, shock absorbing wire. So this is back, they debuted this technology. So, sorry, what did you call it? Saw, shock absorbing wire. I like it, okay. I, yes. I mean, as opposed to when Cam plays, it's just the suck technology. Suck <laughs> technology, I just bored it from you, that's okay. All right. Uh, so, this uh, actually debuted on Bauer's concept helmets, their C1 and C2 helmets. Um, way back when, I don't think we were talking about 2014, 2015, I think it was off the top of my head, that those helmets came out. So what the technology is, is that there's actually a gap in between where the cage is mounted and how far the actual mountings can go back in terms of their rubber absorption qualities. So when the helmet actually gets hit, the cage actually recedes back, um, has a little bit of play into it, um, where it mounts actually on the helmet itself. So what you're telling me is they've built in shock absorption into the cage again, which is something they had done before and they've come back with it. Yeah, well, I'm it's, not they so got to sure know I, what it is. I'm not so sure I'd call that technology. I believe it's technology. It's a cushion. Well, they've researched it and found out you that that's the I've, best okay, way so for impacts. Right the off research the part is technology. The bottom line is it's good for your head. It's going to yeah. save you from blows. I would like to see how it works. Can you put that on? No. We'll You're that. wearing it for me. We'll test that out later. <laughs> so we know the straps of the mask work. Into the shell it. of the mask, advanced carbon layering. All that means basically is how they're actually laying the carbon itself. So carbon fiber mask turns to overall rigidity and protection. 
things that were addressed or really paid attention to were the chin. It moves. Uh, the cage, up and down, yes. Okay, I got that now. <laughs> chin has always been a hot topic point, uh, especially in the enemy series of masks. Um, been notorious for splitting, so we'll get a shot and we'll zoom in on the helmet a little bit more. We'll see that the chin's quite a bit thick. You know, you don't have to talk about that. You can just talk about the features and we do the zooming without you having to That's fine. It's just, you know, calling it out. So okay. make sure to like stay tuned to look at this special feature. Thicker chin, a little bit more rigidity, better durability. That's a big key points out of it. Um, moving on to the actual inner shell of the helmet itself, or sorry, inner foam liner. We still see their pour on return. This is their Vance Cloud Tech. More cushioning. Exactly. This is what I call technology. Your technology. Just. <laughs> Poron makes its return. Um, great for impact reduction, vibration in terms of actually how you're getting hit and how that energy is being transferred in throughout your head. Overall, extremely comfy feel-wise, lightweight would be the biggest key highlight. So major difference between this and the Profile Series helmet is going to be the weight difference between the two. So again, we're focused a little bit more on the actual saw technology and as well as the actual foam liner of the helmet in terms of for providing you your protection. Whereas again, those profile series helmets are a little bit thicker, a little bit more rigid. So that's where that protection is coming from. So that covers kind of like our basic difference. Can I say you know. that I love the chin cup and the fact that it's sort of set up with an elastic? Yes, you sure can. If I like you, that. It's good, right? Something that was actually debuted on the profile series this year uh, or last year, sorry. Again, just a little bit of a better feel, a little bit more absorption. Rather than having the straight nylon there, you get a little bit of a better feel. Okay, so um, quick. I mean, obviously, we've seen some of the ventilation holes have changed. It looks like it's going to be real breathable and, and, and not overheat. Where does this fit? Like, we're talking about shell construction. Where does the enemy line fit in terms of safety, level of play, uh, who it's for? sizing we know that it's all about fit i mean there's a time when bauer had you know like the the famous 961 was like the go-to mask but it didn't fit everyone they've done a really nice job of adding sizing is that the case with the enemy line as well so you still have fit one two and three with this um this is our high-end pro helmet enemy series only exists for you oh it, it, it Five, just wouldn't fit six maybe a seven yeah so High end mask, only at the top end. There's no derivative series of this. A profile remains with profile 960, 950, 940, and the 930. Only the enemy one at that top end price point. Again, with all of our different fits. A couple things that have been amalgamated. Only one cage line now. Profile cages fit this mask. There's no such thing as just an enemy cage anymore, which is great. So one line of cages, no confusion. Overall, in terms of fitment wise, it does help to fill some of the gaps that might come up in terms of the profile fitting. So it's like you kind of fit the medium, you kind of don't, you need a little bit of a larger fit. You might fit the medium in this a little bit better. Same thing with the large. There is a little bit more space inside the helmet in terms of for fitment. So we can look into that as well. But this is a, ha this is a mask that our, our high-end testers that are playing junior and minor pro can be comfortable this summer taking out on the ice against some of the best shots in the world. That's exactly what it's for. Right. So it's in other words, it's a mask that's a little too much mask for you. Ah, not enough. Yeah. Doesn't fit them. It's not big enough, but it's too much mask for the level he plays. That's just all I'm saying. Some of us actually need this mask here. So hopefully next week we'll see Kevin in a new sweater that doesn't have a tzatziki stain on it. You might also shower. I washed. Relax. Okay, last question, folks. Make sure you give them a call if you have questions because there are, as Cam mentioned, uh, a lot of variations or a lot of sort of different spots along the two different families of goalie masks from Bauer. 
Uh, if you've got questions about where this fit, how it fits, how the different fits fit, there's a lot of fit here. Make sure you give Cam or his crew, and there's a bunch of them, and they're all goalie geeks like Cam. Some of them are actually smart. Give them a call where to get a hold of them. 604-589-8299, or if the 1-800 number fits you better, 1-800-567-7790. Don't worry, we're number one, enemy one. So Bauer, you've got Andre Vasilevsky in the Stanley Cup final, and we saw him wearing the new Bauer enemy one. It was pretty obvious, wasn't it? <laughs> it probably should have been. And I feel really badly, Darren, because I don't have the name, but we had somebody write into us um, through Instagram, a direct message, gosh, at least a month ago, probably longer, with a photo of Vazzy in the helmet saying, hey, is this the new Bauer helmet mask? At the time, I, was, I, I knew it was, but wasn't really able to say anything. Um, so I dodged a little bit. But uh, whoever you are, I apologize. But congrats for, uh, for noticing. And everybody who notices, of course, we are most focused on the technology and the um, protection that they give. But we all notice the style as well. And those vent holes look pretty cool on the they new did. Enemy One mask. And I think that's why people picked it out. I know when companies talk to us about new designs that are coming out, they want to know if they look cool. And that is, that is something that matters. If not, did you ever see that crazy one that I, I shouldn't even say crazy because it probably is brilliant in terms of protection, but somebody designed one that looked more like a motorcycle helmet. So the back plate was sort of contiguous with the entire helmet. Yes. You pulled it over like a motorcycle helmet. I thought Geez, that makes a whole lot of sense, but, but would anybody ever wear it? Right. Um, but this new Bauer enemy looks fabulous. It's quite a bit lighter, of course, than the 960, which I think is a standard in the industry and, uh, but, and fits a little different. And that's something we want to just keep underlining all the time when we do these things. We don't really review masks. If we put out something on a mask, we'll talk about the features. We'll talk about what it can do for you. It's more of what we would call like a preview. We're just telling you a little bit about it. And one of the reasons is how can you possibly review them? Safety is such a huge issue. I'm not sitting in front of the puck machine and taking shots to the head to see how well they work. And even if it worked brilliantly for me, it might not fit you properly, Darren. And, and then what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. So fit, we have always believed is crucial to having a helmet, a mask that works well for you. And uh, this enemy mask fits a little bit different from the 960. And so you, you may or may not find that it's the right one for you. It's super important that you get in, give it a try. Um, I'm sure there'll be a whole wall of them at the new hockey shop this fall. And that, that's where Cam and company come in so uh, handy with being yep. able to help you, guide you through the different lines of, of masks. Yeah, they sure can. And not just Cam, anybody who works down there plays the game. They're an expert at the game. Uh, they're not just somebody who's been hired at $15 an hour to, to fill a role and push some product. Do give them a call. When you call the hockey shop, just ask for the gold department. Anybody down there can give you a hand, including young Cooper, who was uh, one of the guests at the Pete Fry Mindset uh, mm. seminar that we hosted on the weekend. Cooper, very appropriately named young goaltender, was one of uh, a number of students who were with Pete in person and online, including yourself, Darren. I had great uh, exposure to it uh, through my laptop, being able to 
uh, absorb everything, uh, not being in the front row, uh, but and and being uh, as interactive as uh, all the goaltenders, including Cooper and Maddie. Uh, but uh, it was it was intriguing. I, I the the online part was fun because I felt like I could watch from thirty thousand feet almost. Mm. I love the idea of the blocker, the trapper, and the stick uh, having the gloves and and the twig there with you. Was it was a new step, and then all the different uh, workshop uh, uh, angles with writing and, and goal setting, and uh, both positive and negative, and how do you handle all that stuff? Yeah, I thought one of the things he did really well was that there was something active and engaging every five to ten minutes at most. The goaltenders were on their feet doing things all the time. It's interesting that you say that you enjoyed the thirty thousand feet because. There were certainly some components of it that I thought were pretty personal, things that you had to do for yourself, writing down goals and such. Um, near the end, they uh, did an exercise where they wrote down a, a pretty big, audacious goal for the season or for the career, and then actually got to sort of karate chop, break these boards as if they were breaking through on the goal and to really commit to it. Yeah. And I took a photo of everybody afterwards holding them up, and I thought to myself, you know, some of those goals are pretty personal. Is that something you really want to share with the whole world? So said to Pete, maybe this photo doesn't go out or we, or we you know, blur out those goals that are written on those, those boards that they broke. But at the same time, I think one of the things that Pete does so brilliantly well is pull you out of your shell. And so yeah. in those activities where they were getting up there and getting all pumped up and getting to a hype level of 10 and controlling their hype level and so on, Pete really engages the guys that are in front of him there and really gets them doing things that maybe if they were at 30,000 feet, they, they wouldn't really throw themselves out there in quite the same way. And I think that's also super important. So yeah, I think he did a fantastic job. The whole webinar um, workshop will be available online at some point in the, the fairly near future. We're just sort of putting everything together to make sure it's all wrapped up properly for folks. So if people want to be uh, involved, they still can. And you can also go to Pete's site, goalieseminars.com and check out some of the other places around North America that he's going to be this summer. Uh, the goal of Pete is to make sure that you are prepared uh, from the mental aspect. Uh, you've done all the work. We know that uh, people are so focused on the on-ice portion, but to complement that and be able to handle the situations and have it all come together at the right time, which for Jake Ottinger in this week's uh, Sensorina feature interview, uh, certainly had that uh, come to fruition in that opening round and put a, a little bow on what has been a big journey of his uh, going back to before the bubble. Yeah, sure has. Like, wasn't it one of the most dominant seven-game performances we've ever seen in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs? And unfortunate for all of us that it only lasted one round. If only a, a different bounce could have come his way. In the uh, in game seven and overtime, but before we do that, we just have to acknowledge our friends at Sense Arena who bring us the feature interview every week. And I was thinking about Sense Arena a little bit this week, Darren, because it, I'm always amazed by the number of goaltenders that we bump into who say they use it, um, just without asking. It comes up, and I find that more often than not, those goaltenders are the ones who are willing to do that little bit extra to become a little bit better to reach their goals in their career. And uh, I was in a dressing room the other day with uh, a major junior goaltender who is about to start a professional career and didn't talk to him about sharing the story. So I won't name any names, but I was at the ring more than an hour before this ice session began. Let's face it. Your coach wants you there more than an hour during the season, but 
during the summer, you see a lot of goaltenders roll in and flip-flops half an hour before an ice time. But more than an hour ahead, this goaltender was there, uh, went into the gym, got a good sweat on, did the foam rolling, did the hand-eye coordination. I mean, he did everything to get ready for this goalie skate and then brought up the fact that he's been working with Sense Arena as well. Didn't really surprise me. That's the kind of guy that uses Sense Arena. And if you want to be a better goaltender, it's hard to get enough ice. Who can afford two, $300 an hour to grab some ice? One hour practice three or four times a week is not enough to become world-class. Think of another sport where you only practice four times a week and you go to the Olympics. I don't think you'll find one. Sense Arena gives you that opportunity, Darren. You get pro shooters. You learn to make pro reads. You get professional scenarios thrown out in front of you, like power play formations and so on. And you can do it anytime you want, as much as you want. And even if you just use it for 15 or 20 minutes a day for the rest of the summer, I guarantee you're going to have your best year ever this fall. So check out Sense Arena, everybody. Use the code IGM50. That's as in in goal mag 50. And you get a bit of a discount uh, on top of whatever they're offering right now. So Sense Arena, check it out. Yes, and being able to make reads is something that you and Jake talk about in your conversation and depth, and then you get into uh, the zone part of it, and then being patient in the course of your career because he had different looks. It looked like uh, there was opportunities, and they went in different directions. And Dallas made him overripe, and it's worked out well because he is, uh, he is the guy uh, with the Dallas Stars and uh, new head coach uh, Pete DeBoer. Now, what else jumped out at you uh, when you uh, talked to Jake during this conversation that will bring you? Well, again, another one of those people that, that will do everything he can. And he talked about details, the little details all the time. And we didn't have a chance to pull too much at that. But for me, the fact that he worries about every little detail, is the head check just right? Um, what hand is the player coming down on me using right now? Um, is my depth consistent? That's one that really stood out for me when we talked about what's he going to do for the summer to try and be ready for the fall to, to step it up again a little bit more. And he mentioned how he noticed on video that in some scenarios, he might be starting here in a similar scenario the next time, maybe his depth is a little bit different. And him wanting to create some real consistency in his game is something that he's seeing in the video right now. So that stood out. And, and I guess what really stood out for me is just the fact that we were able to be pretty specifically goaltending. Um, I think when he got on with me, he probably thought that he was uh, set up for a five-minute radio hit with the local radio station kind of thing. Um, yeah. But kudos to him for really getting into it, really talking about goaltending and, uh, and the honesty, Darren. Um, you know, when he talked about the situation this year, talked about seeing that Dallas had signed Braden Holtby and the disappointment that he felt. Like, yeah. That's not the kind of thing that you talk about with the local newspaper when they ask you how you're feeling before the season. Um, but he knew he's talking to goaltenders and knew, knew he was talking to, um, I think, young goaltenders. And so there's a whole lot in there because here's a guy who's, what is he, 24 years old, something like that, still quite young. So he's not far off of the same experiences that everybody has been through. And so his ability to share a lot of these things with young goaltenders really, really stood out for me. What a, what a great young man and, and thrilled that he was able to join us this week. Reminds me so much of the trajectory of Thatcher Demko, where you want it, you want it, you want it, but you have to wait for it. And then when it happens, you are so ready to, to take the reins and handle it, doesn't it? 
Yeah, no, but perfect, perfect example, Darren. That's exactly what happened here in Vancouver, wasn't it? And finally did get his opportunity, as you said, overcooked. Uh, it's got to be really hard for these guys because their entire okay. lives, they've been successful. Um, there aren't many guys coming into the National Hockey League that struggled their whole career. And many are ahead of the timeline. There's some notable exceptions, obviously, especially some of the guys that, you know, come the college European route that maybe are a little bit older by the time they arrive. But for the most part, these are guys that are used to success. And now all of a sudden the brakes are getting put on them and they've probably been in training camp and they probably played exhibition games and they feel ready to go. Um, yeah, to, to a really, a really good comparison, but you know, it's a different it's a different position that we have to keep acknowledging. It's not just about, can I make some saves, but you really have to make all the saves. There isn't a big margin yes. for error. Let's go back to Darcy Kemper there with that one big save he had to make in the final game. Like there's no margin for error there. We might be playing game seven if he doesn't make that save. So you have to be more than ready to take the reins, not just, not just ready to play a little bit. So Great conversation uh, coming your way with Jake Ottinger, brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Here's David with Jake Ottinger. My guest today needs no introduction, but he deserves one nonetheless. Uh, Jake Ottinger put up an incredible performance leading the Dallas Stars in this year's playoffs versus Calgary. And he was undoubtedly the MVP of the first round. And his numbers actually still hold up amongst the best. 954, Jake, 181 over seven games. 64 saves in game seven. One of the best performances, without a doubt, over seven games in Stanley Cup history. And I don't know if you know, but some of those numbers, if you look at the advanced stats, your goal saved above expected at 11.58, this is according to ClearSight Analytics, is still number two in the playoffs. Only Igor Shesterkin ahead of you after three rounds. Your 4.8% above expected save percentage tops amongst all goalies to uh, get even one start in the playoffs this year. How are you feeling today? How are you feeling? Playoffs are still on. You've had a little time to reflect on it. How do you look back on it? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously it was a crazy, uh, crazy run and experience and uh, never being or haven't played playoffs before was didn't really know what to expect going into it. And, um, you know, it was everything that it had been uh, hyped up to be and more. And um, it was definitely the, the funnest hockey I've ever played in my life. And being able to play against Calgary was an unbelievable fan base. Um, getting to play up in Calgary in those games, you know, were some of my favorite hockey memories. And, you know, I think it's nice. I got a, a taste of, you know, why we really play and, and you know, why we, uh, you know, grind all, all regular season is so you can get to that position. And, you know, now I'm just even more hungry to get back to that position and, um, you know, hopefully have a better outcome, you know, next year. So, you know, it was a great learning experience and uh, some of the most fun hockey I've ever played. And, you know, now I'm just even more motivated to get back there. So kind of stings watching uh, the playoffs now still, you know, knowing that, you know, we, we could have, you know, still been there, but, you know, now it's, now it's our job to, you know, reflect and, and hopefully we can change the outcome next time. Could you describe for a young goaltender, what it's like that that first day of the first playoff game or stepping onto the ice and hearing that national anthem what's going through your head yeah i think the biggest thing for me is i just wanted to try to you know try to really soak it in and have fun i think you know it's really easy to get nervous in situations like that and you know i try to look at it and, and play like i had nothing to lose and you know if i just went out there and played my heart out and left it all on the ice you know then you know i could live with the results and 
felt like I did that. And it's also, you know, I feel like I learned a valuable lesson in that um, I'm playing my best hockey when I'm just trying to go out there and have fun and enjoy, you know, the, the process of, you know, getting prepared for games like that and, you know, all the little things that go into you know, getting yourself ready to, to play in games. So just enjoying the process of the work that you have to put in, the attention to detail and all that stuff is, you know, stuff that I just try to enjoy every second of it and enjoy it for when I was on the ice. And, you know, you, ne- you never know how many opportunities you're going to get like that. So, you know, I just wanted to make the most of it. Do you get a chance when you're there to look up and whether it's seeing friends and family in the stands or just everybody going crazy, do you get a chance just to say, hey, I'm here, this is pretty cool? Yeah, yeah. Usually during the National Anthem, I like to take a good look around. And, uh, you know, Calgary is just such a cool building and, and to have everyone in red and stuff too is just like just a sea of people. So, you know, I looked up and said, you know, hopefully I can uh, send these people home pretty upset. So, you know, that was the plan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was able to do that a couple nights and, you know, it's just, uh, it's one of those things like, you, you know, when you look back on your life, those are going to be some of the, the best memories is when you got to compete against the best, uh, you know, on a stage like that. So, you know, I'm happy I was able to do it and I plan on doing it for a very long time. Was it everything you expected growing up? Yeah. And then some, I think, uh, you know, just the level of play that everyone brings their game to. And, you know, every game felt like it was a series in its own, you know, it's so important. And, you know, that's when all the little details that, you know, coaches harp on and all the little stuff, you know, become the big stuff. It's one one missed uh, coverage or, you know, bad push or bad shoulder check or something that can end up costing you a series. So, um, you know, that's when all the stuff that you work on day in and day out and all summer, all summer long, you hope that you can, uh, you hope that you can, you know, put your best foot forward and, and, you know, play your best at that time. I'm curious about that um, process going into big games and you've, you're no stranger to big games, obviously whether it's your debut in high school at the Minnesota State Tournament or World Juniors winning that shootout game in front of 45,000 people. But as you, how do you cope with that from a mindset perspective? Because as you jump up the levels, that level of detail increases every time. The preparation of the coaches increases. There's more video. There's more meetings. How do you handle all that and stay clear enough to actually play? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one thing I you know, I've talked to my family and about and stuff is, you know, I'm, I'm already, I'm already farther, way farther than I ever imagined that I would be in my hockey career. And I've done, you know, stuff that if you told me when I was a little kid where I'd be that I wouldn't believe you. And I think, you know, I feel like at this point, like I'm playing with house money and I just am able to go out there and have fun and just try to leave it all out there. I don't really feel like you know, crazy pressure or anything like that. I don't think, you know, people expected, you know, me to be where I am. And for me, it's just now that I have this opportunity, I want to, you know, make sure when I'm done playing hockey, I have zero regrets. So, you know, those games are the ones that are the most fun and, you know, the ones that people talk about and remember. And, you know, going into those games nervous and and scared of, you know, the moment is is not going to lead to success for me. And uh, I think I learned that a ton this year, just you know, you can't be afraid of the moment. And, you know, there's a reason that you strap the pads on every day and that's to, you know, have an opportunity to, you know, make a name for yourself and and help your team win on a a big stage. And, you know, that's what you dream about. And, you know, that's the reason that I, you know, do what I do every day to to put myself in a position that, you know, hopefully I have more opportunities like that down the road. How do you do all that though? I mean, if you're you're a young guy sitting in a room with all these veteran NHL players, are you soaking in every little detail of every meeting or do you like to just sort of go into your own space and let the rest of it go what's the approach yeah i think for me i think uh 
you know, I like to kind of focus on myself and, you know, what I can do. And, you know, even like, you know, every, all the goalies know, you know, we do tedious meetings and stuff. And, you know, most of it has, you know, no real effect on your game. And, you know, my goalie coach and I are very detailed and, you know, we, we know the process that's worked for me and, um, you know, the information that I like to gather before the game, you know, on the other team's power play and kind of their top scores. You know, I like to know their tendencies and stuff. And, and you know, you study that stuff and, and you also put in the work that you need to do before the game. And then, you know, once it's it's game time, that's where you just don't think and, and you know, you just play and let, let your instincts take over. How much information are you gathering before a game? Like how many of those guys do you really know a few things about from the pre-scouts? And how many guys have you got your eye on when they step on the ice? Yeah, I think, you know, each each team I pick a couple guys. I think, you know, Calgary was, you know, their top line was, you know, one of the best top lines, if not the best in the entire league during the season. So, you know, for me, that was, uh, you know, kind of where I focused most of my attention. And um, the other team's power play, I think, you know, something I really focus on. And, you know, that's, as a goalie, that's kind of your time to step up in the game, it feels like, is, you know, when your team's shorthanded. So, you know, if I can, if I can learn, you know, the three, four options that the team's looking for, then, you know, maybe you can be, you know, a little half step ahead when it actually happens in front of you. I think everybody out there would say that you were playing in the zone throughout that whole series. Can you describe what that means to you? What does it feel like to be in the zone? Yeah, it's like the best feeling in the world, I think. It's like, you know, you're just nothing, in my, at least for me, not, there's nothing in my head going on. You know, people are like, you know, what were you thinking on this or that? It's like nothing. I was out there just playing the game that I love and doing what the instincts told me to do. And um, But that, you know, that comes with you know, preparation and the work before and, you know, simulating the stuff that you think might happen. And, you know, that's all stuff I do. But, you know, when it comes game time and the puck drops and, um, you know, if I'm thinking about, you know, where I need to be or that type of stuff, then, you know, I'm probably not going to have success. So for me, when I'm in the zone, I'm, you know, I'm prepared and I'm confident. And then I'm just, you know, letting my, let my instincts take over. So you've, you've told us here and you've said to other people that you want to get back to this place. You want to do everything you can to be prepared for next season. Uh, what does that look like in the summertime for you? What are you going to be doing this summer to be ready in the fall? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, right now the, you know, the first six weeks or so of my off-ice training is just, I think, just kind of, you know, trying to get healthy and, um, you know, get my body to just, you know, not think I'm a goalie for a little bit. That's kind of, you know, how I like to say it is kind of take the goalie out of your body and goaltending is a very hard position on your body and not a natural one. And, you know, for me, it's just, you know, I try to, you know, get back to the basics and the fundamentals of, you know, what it means to be moving like a normal human being and, you know, once I do that, I, I have a mobility coach that I go to four days a week. And then uh, I have a strength training coach that I go to four days a week. And, uh, you know, that's when I really kind of will start to get into the you know, process of getting stronger and, and more explosive and that type of stuff. And then for me, I also like to take a lot of time away from the rink and, uh, you know, play other sports and take my mind off of hockey and be a normal person. You know, I love to golf and, and spend time with my family and friends and you know, I think it's important, you know, it's such a long season. And, uh, you know, I think if you, if you jump on the ice too early or if you, you, you never stop thinking about hockey, then, you know, come February, you're going to, you know, not want to come to the rink every day, put your skates on. So, you know, there's a important balance for me of putting in detailed and, and specific work, but also enjoying life and, and taking time away from the rink. Can you give me any examples from those strength or mobility workouts of what taking the goalie out of your body means? Yeah, I think, I mean, 
specifically for me, I'm, you know, really working on my ankles, knees and hips. And, you know, I'm trying to uh, increase the, you know, capacity in those joints. And that's, you know, those are the three hardest, you know, things on your body as a goalie that you kind of crush, you know, day in and day out. And, you know, I think if you can kind of expand the range of motion that you currently have, I think, you know, when you stretch out to make a save or, you know, you put your body in a weird spot, then, you know, the work that you do increasing that capacity is, you know, your body will have already felt what it's like to kind of be working in that space and, you know, that prevents injury and stuff like that. So are you doing some of the, the sort of work that creates strength at that length, not just range of motion, but how do we yeah. stay strong there? Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, first, you know, putting your body in that, in that uh, space where, you know, it's never really been before. And then, you know, once you can kind of get there, it's then, you know, strengthening it and, and making sure that, you know, if your body puts itself in that position that, you know, it's, it's confident enough to, you know, not, you know, hurt itself by being in a, in a position like that. So that's where all that comes in. And honestly, I think, you know, that stuff for me is the most important, you know, obviously it's important to be in good, you know, be strong and, and lean and that type of stuff. But I think for me, that's definitely the most important stuff. How long have you been doing that sort of work? I started, uh, like I first kind of got introduced to that stuff in, uh, in college, my freshman year of college, but the last, you know, last summer and this summer is kind of the two times where I've had like a specific coach who's, you know, her number one job is that. And, um, without her, I think, you know, I would have been injured multiple times. So, um, do you want to give a shout out for who you're working with here? Yeah. Yeah. Her name is, uh, Grace Batoon and her Instagram is that coach Grace. Um, you know, I think there's be a lot of goalies that'll go on her, uh, Instagram page and, you know, see what they're missing out on. And I know actually Connor Lukube is huge into the same stuff that I'm talking about. And, you know, he's taking some stuff from her page as well. So, um, you know, it's a great resource and you can find a lot of stuff you can do on your own on, on her page for free as well. So I think all goalies, you know, regardless of their age should be doing some type of this stuff, especially, you know, before they go on the ice. Awesome. Hey, can we take a step back to uh, to when you started? What's the origin story for Jake, the goaltender? How did you get started? Why did you want to be a goalie? Yeah, I. Uh, so my mom kind of got me into hockey. She loved hockey, and um, I never really had any like family members or anything to play hockey. And um, so I started out just playing defense. And the goalie on our team, I think it was like our last year of mites, or maybe in sports, maybe first year of sports. Our goalie was really, really good, and he got called up to be a peewee and so they were like, hey, we don't have a goalie. Does anyone need to want to go in the net? And my mom was like, you should try it. Like, you're always – you're basically trying to play goalie when you're playing defense. So <laughs> I tried it. I tried it and, uh, you know, loved it and just kind of kind of stuck with it from there. So it's kind of lucky and kind of funny how that all works out. I don't know if he, if he wouldn't have got pulled up. I don't know if I ever would have strapped the pads on. Do you know what it is you loved about it? Was it the gear? Was it the center of attention? being the guy who makes a difference what what's what's the thing yeah, i think I'm a combination of all three probably uh i think just i loved uh i loved all the gear and all that stuff but yeah i think you know being able to make a huge difference and uh you know being being one of the most important guys on the team you know that definitely is a good feeling too so you know i, I was pretty good at it at the start and was just like you know what let's just try it and see what happens so it's pretty crazy that uh you know it's brought my life to you know where i am now was there a goalie growing up in Minnesota you looked up to? Somebody you wanted to pattern yourself after, maybe? The one guy, I mean, early on, the first guy that pops in my head was Charlie Lindgren. I think uh, he's from kind of the same hometown as me. And I remember, you know, when he was in high school, going to the section final and stuff. And um, he was like, 
unbelievable year after year for Lakeville North and brought him to state every year. So he was kind of the first guy I really was like, you know, I want to be like that guy. And, you know, now to have skated with him for, you know, many years in the summer and to, you know, be a friend of his is pretty cool. And, and then in the NHL, I, you know, still to this day, I'm obsessed with Henrik Lundqvist. So he was kind of my, uh, my, you know, the guy that I, you know, wanted to be like, and I'm pretty sure I've watched uh, just about every Henrik Lundqvist video there is on YouTube. So, Two, two guys who've been great to us and guests on the show before as well. Uh, we we love both of them. And Charlie had a fantastic year. Well, he's still going now, isn't he? So. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So he's, uh, you know, he's the guy that's worked for everything that he's ever gotten. And, uh, you know, he's one of the most competitive people that I've ever met. So it's fun to battle against him in the summer and stuff too. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you've had to develop as you've moved from university up into the pros what's changed about your game you know how do you adapt to that high speed east west game that we're seeing now in the national hockey league yeah i think the biggest thing for me is just like i think i've you know i have a lot of natural talent and you know i'm a good just natural ability to stop the puck and stuff but i think i've just gotten so much smarter and my hockey iq has gotten you know so much better and i think i learned a lot of that from ben bishop and you know just the way that he thinks about the position and his mind is you know, one of the best hockey IQ minds and, um, you know, developing, you know, those reads. And I think for me, like, I think I'm at a point where I can, I feel confident enough where I can make a save pretty much at any, you know, spot in the crease. So sometimes, you know, learning the difference of, you know, when you need to be out and when you need to be back and that type of stuff is, is I think, you know, just been huge, huge strides for my game. And um, I think, you know, that's one thing that, you know, you never really master, you know, the reads are always going to get better and sharper and, you know, but I think for me, since turning pro, that's kind of the main thing that, you know, has helped me, you know, add success. And in college, it was just kind of, you know, go out there and stop the puck. And, and you know, now it's, you know, you got to do that. But also, you know, if you can be prepared and, and, you know, make good reads and, you know, know what's going on around you, you know, not necessarily just, you know, who has the puck, but who might get the puck next is, um, you know, something that's helped me a ton. How did you develop that? Are you in been sitting down and going over video together or is it just debriefing a game or what, what's how's how's it happen yeah it's both and it's you know it's work every day in practice i think uh you know it's little tedious details of shoulder checks and you know in practice you know focusing you know, you know whenever you get a rush drill or you know f- focusing on you know what hand the guy is or if there's a one-timer threat stuff like that and then you know definitely video from games and stuff i think uh you know, there's times in games where you, you'll look back and be like, you know, what, what was I doing there? Like, there's no need to be out that far or, you know, vice versa. So, you know, it's a skill that you have to, you know, intentionally, you know, think about and then, you know, be able to work on it every day in practice, which is, you know, what I've done and, and still do. I'm interested in the beginning of this year. You know, you come to the team, obviously, quite the pedigree and, and an, an important prospect for Dallas. But there you are with Braden Holtby, Stanley Cup winner, Vesna Trophy winner. Uh, Hudobin took the team to the Stanley Cup Finals recently. You've got Ben Bishop. You've mentioned. How do you approach the season when you got three guys like that ahead of you? Yeah, it's uh, you know it was tough. Honestly, I think uh, you know I felt like I had a good year last the season before, and that you know I was just kind of scratching the surface, and had expected to come into camp and you know have the spot that I had last year. And uh, you know when they signed Holby, I you know I knew that I was probably going to get sent down, and obviously I was. You know, I remember seeing that on social media and stuff and my heart kind of sank and was like one of the worst feelings, you know, I've had. So, um, you know, I remember, 
you know, all the people reach out and stuff saying, you know, you'll just work hard and all that type of stuff. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that doesn't make you feel any better. And, you know, I just thought in my head that, you know, if I got the opportunity to play in one game, you know, I was going to have to make the most of it. And uh, I didn't know, you know, if that opportunity would ever even come. And, you know, once I got called up, I, you know, I knew I was going to have to play greater or I'd be right back down to where um, I was. So, you know, just using that anger and the frustration and that type of stuff in a positive way. Uh, I feel like I went down to the American league and didn't act like I had played the entire year in the NHL before and just was the same, same person and showed up every day and was a good teammate and, and worked my butt off. And then, you know, I knew where I wanted to be, but you know, obviously I was going to have to you know play well when I got my chance in order to, to get back there. Yeah, you sure did that in the end, didn't you? What's, um, can you give me the scouting report on Jake Ottinger? What do you think your strengths are and what are you going to be working on in the next few months here? Yeah, I think, uh, I think my strengths, uh, you know, when I'm playing well, I think, uh, I make the game look easy and I'm smooth and controlled and, you know, never really out of position. And, you know, right now I think, you know, one of the biggest things I'm going to continue to work on, I think is just, you know, seeing those reads and trying to sharpen up my positioning and um, one of the big things that I focused on this year was you know when should I be coming out of the of the off from the goal line when should I be coming out you know to be where I want to be to get my depth and you know sometimes it was like you could slowly take an overhead angle of the thing and I'd be like at the top of the crease when the guy was at like the red line and then sometimes I would do that when you know he was just inside our blue line so like you know you know deciding when I'm most comfortable and, and when I think, you know, the best time to step out is and how just doing it consistently is something that, you know, I'm going to work on. And, you know, I found that, like I said earlier, I think, you know, I, I feel like confident enough to, you know, make saves from any, any depth of the crease. And I think for me, um, I was at my best, you know, especially in playoffs when I was kind of, you know, letting the game develop in front of me before I, you know, came out and challenged and obviously, you know, being six, five, definitely, that kind of gives me an advantage in that aspect. And, you know, if I was a smaller goalie, I might think a little differently. But, you know, I think for me, it's it's definitely angle over depth and, uh, you know, being able to, you know, get back to a, a lateral pass or, you know, not being too aggressive to where, you know, if the guy does make a move or, or passes that, you know, I'm out swimming. So that's uh, something that, you know, you can't really change one speed. And uh, that'll be, you know, what I'll be working on the most, I think, this summer. Sounds a little bit like your hero growing up, Henrik Lundqvist, a guy who can play deep and make a save from anywhere. But, but really, I think people didn't realize that he also knew when to take depth and when, when was the yeah. right time to do that. Exactly, yeah. So that's, uh, you know, that's, he obviously was unbelievable at that. And, um, you know, I think obviously that, you know, I'm a lot taller than he was or is. And so I think if I can master that like he did and, and then use my height as well, then it could be, uh, could be pretty good. The other thing you've got in common with Henrik is uh, a love for Bauer gear. Can you tell us about why you like Bauer? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, you know, they've, the customer service that, you know, they've had for me has been unbelievable. But I think originally I was using kind of a softer, uh, softer pad. Um, and I, I really like the way like the Bauer just kind of feels like it's like just one like flat, hard piece. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, guys are so good now at shooting at your pads and trying to, you know, use use rebounds to their advantage that, you know, if I can if I can kick a, a rebound out that I could get my stick on and it's, you know, going so fast that they can't get their stick on it, you know, is something that, uh, you know, I think I can use to my advantage. So, 
you know, they've been, it's been unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I won't be wearing anything else anytime soon. That's for sure. Do you have any idea if you're just in a, a stock spec on your pads or have they done some special stuff for you? Yeah, I think I'm like, uh, like I'm one up from like a stock level of like stiffness. Okay. But other than that, other than that, like stock, like glove and blocker, like literally they send like a new graphic and I'm like, Hey, just throw that on like the same pad pretty much. So nothing like <laughs> too crazy. So yeah, just pretty, pretty stock. And, uh, yeah, I've loved it. So it's, uh, it's the best. Where are you in the new connect skates? Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I tried them a lot last summer and liked them a lot, but I just, right now I just don't know like, um, if I'm going to wear them anytime soon. I just, that's kind of the only thing I'm picky with is my like skates and just how I kind of feel in my stance. And, you know, I just, I didn't have enough time really to get comfortable in them, but you know, the, the technology and the innovation, obviously, you know, you see a ton of guys using them now, Bassy and all those guys. And I think, you know, you're going to continue to see more and more, you know, NHLers using them. So, you know, the benefits are definitely there. And, you know, I feel like right now I'm not, I'm not giving myself the benefits that, you know, other guys are getting from those skates just because I'm being picky about the old stiffness of my old boot. But I uh, definitely will, will be in those skates at some point. Yeah, uh, Little Bird also told me you use a 25-inch paddle. Are you still in that? And what's the thinking behind something so small for a big man? Yeah, I, uh, I, that was kind of my goalie coach at uh, BU, Brian Eklund. It was his idea. I think if I could just, if I was just holding on to like right above the blade, I think he would, uh, he'd be okay with that. Like, I think... <laughs> The thinking, I think, is, uh, you know, if you're using a super long paddle, like when you're down, when you're down in your butterfly, your, you know, your blocker will be standing like super high up, right? So when I use a shorter paddle, my, my blocker and glove are both down. My stick is like flat on the ice because that's, I mean, the only time you need your stick on the ice is when, you know, you're going down or someone's trying to shoot at five holes. So you don't, you know, I, I mean, at least for me, I don't think you need to have your stick on the ice, you know, when you're moving around in the crease so you know the most important part is feeling comfortable when they when they shoot it on the, along the ice and shorter paddle makes me feel like i can kind of get my head and and body down more on the puck awesome if you uh if you were to get a chance to chat with young jake maybe when he's 10 or 12 years old any advice for him now that you've been through all this yeah i i uh i'd like to tell him you know i had a you know, really tough decision when I was 15 of whether or not I should go and leave home and play for the NCDP. And I was a real, in a really good position in my high school team. And, um, you know, I love playing with my buddies and, uh, you know, we were a great team and, you know, that was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had. I was, you know, leaning towards just staying home and not, you know, not going. And I eventually, you know, made the decision that, you know, it was best for me in my career if I ended up leaving and, you know, it was the best decision I've ever made in my life and, uh, you know, a really hard one. So, I think, uh, you know, it's, it goes to show, you know, you're going to have to make tough decisions along the way. And I sacrificed, you know, a normal, you know, high school life to, you know, chase after a dream and, um, you know, it was all going to pay off. So, you know, I think a lot of young hockey players are faced with tough decisions and, you know, going to have to sacrifice a lot, but, you know, if you, if you, you know, sacrifice some stuff now, you'll be able to, to do the stuff that, you know, you dreamed about hopefully one day. So, it's definitely, uh, I think I'm a good uh, example of that for sure. Yeah, you sure are. Uh, what's the most important thing for that young guy to work on from a technical perspective? I think, uh, I think I kind of was behind in kind of my skating and my like foundation. I think, uh, you know, I didn't work a ton on that type of stuff. And, you know, even if it's 10 minutes a day, 
I do more skating now that, you know, I'm in the NHL than, you know, when I was 14, 13, which I feel like it should be the opposite. So I think that's such an important part of the game, especially now with, you know, how good guys are, and you know, how quick they can move the puck laterally and stuff. And for me, I feel like if you're on your feet more, you're going to be able to, you know, put yourself in a better position to make saves. And, you know, so just even if it's five minutes a day, just continue to work on your, on your foundation and your basics. It's like, Kind of like you, you know, a golf game. You gotta, you know, even though it's tedious, you gotta do the little things. Otherwise, you know, the big things are gonna kind of get out of whack. So um, that's something I would tell. I love the uh, I love the focus on on the details. Yeah, that I can I can hear it coming from you all the way along. Was there somebody who instilled that for you? Yeah, not specifically. I think just uh, I think I've just learned that it's just like you know the the days. I feel like goaltending is such a good position where. You know, right when you feel like you got things figured out, you you get brought de- brought back down to earth, and you know, that's why I don't think you can ever uh, ever really be too detailed or, or too focused on the basics. And I think one person that at least I mean I've never talked to anyone about this, or um, I could be completely off base, but I always notice like I said earlier, I watch like YouTube stuff. I was always watched stuff on Carey Price too, and it always seemed like he was doing like the most like basic just easy like drills consistently and you know when you see a guy like that it's like you know maybe I don't need to be doing like crazy drills every single day you know if you can hammer home you know the foundation and and have you know unbelievable fundamentals that you can you know let your athleticism and your natural ability take over from there so I always notice that and you know that's honestly where I got half my half my drills growing up you know when I didn't have a goalie coach was was from YouTube and seeing what you know guys that were way better than you were doing that's fantastic well that's obviously one of the things we want to do is share a lot of that stuff with guys and there's been a ton of carry price um sharing content with people through us and i couldn't agree more that the, the simplicity and yet the detail and the simplicity is definitely a hallmark for him and great to see that it's doing great things for you as well yeah and i think that's also i think where i gained like a lot of confidence i think uh you know if, when i hammer home the you know the foundation and i you know, when you do stuff that you're good at, it makes you feel good about yourself and about your game. And I always try to do that, you know, every single day in practice, you know, you know, you're good at one thing and you want to work on another, but, you know, make sure you're still doing the stuff that you're good at so that you, you know, are gaining that confidence consistently. And, uh, you know, it's something that I do every day. Jake, I would love to talk to you for about three hours, but I have a funny feeling I might be holding you from a tea time or something here. It's, uh, is your ideal summer a little bit of training in the morning and then head to the golf course? That's the the absolute ideal off season. So it's uh, I like to work out nice and early and get everything done, and then that's where you can uh, you know, go hit them with your buddies. So that's definitely uh, consists of that's what my off season is for sure. Awesome. Well, I wish you well on the golf course today, and more importantly, I wish you well this summer in your preparation and next season. I hope you'll uh, take some time with us again to share more of of your knowledge and and your growth in the game with all the young goaltenders who are listening and reading in goal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. As that conversation continued, I was writing things down going, okay, we got to talk about this coming out of it. We got to talk about this coming. Mm. There, there's, a, there's a bunch of point form, uh, real uh, bullet conversation uh, angles. And in the the one that uh, that I go back to first and foremost is the idea that he had that decision to make about uh, leaving home, and was it the right decision? He was comfortable. He's with his buddies playing high school hockey. Did he want to go uh, to the 
uh, U.S. Uh, junior program or, or or stay at home. And and there's no right or wrong answer on on this. It's it's really each individual case, isn't it? No, it sure is. And I, and I was really thankful that he was willing to share that piece with us. Uh, an interesting thing that he looked back on when we talked about advice for your younger self, because really underlines how difficult that decision must have been as a family to, to move a long way from home at a, at a very young age. We, we made a different decision, but to be perfectly honest, because you guys stayed home, we did, but also didn't have that carrot ahead of him. This mm-hmm. wasn't the national team he was going to play with to be able to go and play with the very best in the country uh, is quite the carrot being dangled in front of you. Ours was a much, you know, a much smaller decision. But I, I would almost argue tougher. There are so many young goaltenders, so many young hockey players now faced with that opportunity to go and play a little further away for some particular academy team or AAA team or whatever it might be to chase the dream. And it's not so clear cut that that's the right route that's going to get you somewhere. Um, for sure, maybe more guys get drafted out of that league, but it doesn't mean that they end up playing at the next level. And um, it, it's not as easy a decision for anybody to make these days and, and I feel for everybody yeah. and, and you never know if you're making the right decision and you never will. It was uh, fascinating to hear him uh, so caught in the middle when it was the USDP, the United mm-hmm. States development program, which people like are clamoring to get for involved sure. in. And he was still on the fence of that. And I, from your conversation, feel like if the decision was made today, he might make a different one, even knowing how it worked. I mean, I'm projecting my my own vision yeah. into it, but yeah. he was he was that uh, that uh, uh, torn by it. Yeah, and l- let's face it, there's a whole lot more to life than hockey, and being part of a close family and growing up with your family and and as parents for us, raising your children uh, is incredibly important. So those are, but at the same time, we all want to see our kids succeed and follow their dreams. And we have to let them go at some point. So they're very, very difficult decisions for everybody. But uh, we, all, we all do our best what's, as parents. What's uh, going on over at the website right now? Uh, as always, there's lots of great stuff there and there's more stuff in the pipeline. We encourage people to check out ingoalmag.com. Um, something that stood out for me was one of our recent pro reads where uh, I think it was Joey Decord was looking at two almost identical situations in the same power play, but facing two different players that were different handed. And so he talks about that read and weaves into that, the pre-scout, something that Jake Ottinger and I talked a little bit about the pre-scout. What is it that you pay attention to? Something perhaps younger goaltenders, I'm sure younger goaltenders aren't as familiar with. And, uh, and in this one, Joey actually talks about how that pre-scout helped him uh, in addition with his read in that moment. And for me, it's always the pro reads that stand out, that opportunity to listen to professional goaltenders talk about what they did. We also have a Jake Allen pro read where he makes a, a pretty quick bang, bang, uh, low to high save and talks about why he didn't try to take more depth in that scenario. And it wasn't simply trying to get there quickly, as quickly as he could. Um, so that's uh, Jake, I think, is our most prolific pro reads uh, collaborator, shall we call him. Um, and with about 13 of them now to date over at ingoalmag.com. And certainly his insights in the game are, are invaluable for all of us. And we're super thankful. And then just as we were talking about the hall of fame, of course, Darren, we did republish over at ingoalmag.com, uh, an article that had probably been buried from years ago where Woody weighed in on whether Francois Lair 
belongs in the Hall of Fame as a builder. Um, of course, for many, the greatest goaltending coach of all time. And uh, Woody talked to a number of NHL goaltenders to get their feelings on whether Francois belongs in the Hall. And uh, I would argue it's long past time that he be there as mm-hmm. well. Uh, I agree. Uh, Stick tap uh, to Woody and all the great work uh, that he's done in trying to champion that and uh, get it to uh, the finish line and across. Uh, The Joey part uh, in in that uh, situation where it was left hand, right hand, Mm -hmm. it's one of those ones where you leave and you go, that's so obvious. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) It just seems so blatantly or club you over the head. Uh, just straightforward, but it, but it, it took it a different angle. It did. And, and look, it's not enough to just read an article and now you know how to play that scenario in a game because all that you're doing is sort of tilting the odds in your favor. They still could do something else for you. Um, right. But when you're faced with something that's that challenging, that quick uh, at the NHL level, you have to tilt the odds in your favor as best you can. And so having done that pre-scout and having faced that situation in practice now he's a little bit more prepared and uh, hopefully everybody who reads the article they're going to be a little bit more prepared next time they hit the ice too uh that's what Woody's doing right now he's preparing himself uh but to hang 10 uh not uh not uh do a pad stack although falling off the board sometimes you do look like you're you're a pad stack um wouldn't you like to go watch Woody surf just once just to take it all in with a camera so with badly camera. with a camera <laughs> exactly. so badly but uh, I, I'm really I can't surf at all, so I'm not going to mock him. Oh, no, you and I are paddlers, or we sit on the board. That's what we yeah. do. Because yeah. you can sit out there on the board with your feet hanging off the side and look like a champion, like really oh. good. It's just yeah. when you try and surf that, uh, that you get exposed. I, I only tried it once out in Tofino where it's very, very cold. So I would not just sit on the board and dangle my feet in the water. Woody probably would be too worried about the sharks or something, so he wouldn't dangle his feet. That's uh, the only thing keeping him upright, I think. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, he and I have that uh, in common. Uh, we, uh, we are going to Tofino. Uh, we were just talking about that this morning. Uh, the family next summer is the plan. Oh, so, wow. uh, hopefully we will ma'am, see you. Uh, well, you better. Uh, you better see us. To, uh, each other. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and we'll uh, we'll we'll cross paths then. But that's just a little bit of the uh, the the planning ahead that we're doing right now in the, uh, in the Millard Castle, which is a very small turret. I got to admit that. <laughs> uh, thanks, uh, thanks, buddy. Uh, great job with Jake. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, great lot, fun uh, hanging out, just the two of us. Liz, isn't it good to get a word in uh, edgewise? Uh, also, thanks to Cam, and uh, thanks to you for listening to Ingle Radio, the podcast. Take what Jake said and put it to use. So really cool being in the zone and the different uh, situations that uh, you, you come across. And decluttering uh, your mind and your body after the season. The, that part about uh, not being a goalie for a while, that's cool too. Uh, and, and taking it down that, uh, that path. And, and how about also the off-ice training to unwind the goaltending yeah. from your body as well, not just mentally, but physically. Yeah, fascinating stuff. I was Incredible. actually, yeah, I was actually on the IG account for his trainer that he mentioned that coach grace is uh, is perfect uh, she's entertaining and uh, she has uh, all kinds of uh, cool posts on there so uh, give her a follow uh, thanks to jake thanks to cam thanks to you for listening we'll talk to you next week on ingo radio the podcast 